Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it, can't say that, credited it to him as righteousness. And the other scripture is from Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This is Jesus. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So this morning, obviously, I've got two readings. Part of that is because I preach so often in Methodist Church, I do it by accident sometimes. But also, when I looked at the two readings, I felt they went together quite well and they emphasise each other because in Genesis 15 we see that God visits Abraham he visits Abraham one night and he talks to him and he delivers a promise he says to him I'll be your shield and I'll be a very great reward and I don't know about you but if God came to you tonight and said I'm going to be your shield your very great reward personally I'd be like you, I must be doing something right. You know, I'm, despite me, God still loves me somehow, and despite me, I'm, it sounds like I'll be okay. I've got to keep on as I am. You know, I would have thought to respond with real kind of joy and happiness and thinking, yes, 
thank God that God loves me. But Abraham, as I should say, it's like Abraham, answers back. He basically says, well, what's the point of that? Because I have no children. What's the use of that promise if I can't pass it on to anybody else? And I can't believe he answers back, but to be honest, he does it a few times with God. He often does this, Abraham. He answers back to God and questions what these promises actually mean. How this work in practice. And Abraham points out that at this moment in time, unless God does something miraculous, so only a servant will inherit what Abraham has built up. Because Janice did very kindly say that Abraham was 99, but actually in this passage, he's 75. Don't worry, I'll correct you now. But he's only 75. Now that's a fair age, he's 75, Sarah is 65. So you think at this point, there's not much chance he'll have any children. Yet God is saying, well actually, you will have a son one day. The servant won't inherit, you'll have your own son And that promise took another 25 years. Because it was actually when they were 99 that the three visitors came and said, you'll have a child by this time next year, and they're saying, surely not. After all this time, it's not going to happen now. But Abraham is promised on that night he will have a son. And God goes so far to say, count the stars in the sky, that's how many you're going to have how many descendants you'll have one day. And like I say, he would not have ever imagined that being possible. Because this is the days we didn't have lampposts around every street corner, the days you could actually see what's in the sky. And I don't know about you, but I love being out in the countryside and seeing all the stars. You know, I sometimes go down to Kilkenny where Anya's mum's family is from and I walk along and see the stars and I'm amazed and everybody else just walks straight past. They're so used to it. But it's wonderful to see the stars in the sky. You can imagine just how many Abraham must have seen that night. And God's saying to him, I know you're 75 years old but you're going to have children and you'll have so many, they more than what you can see above you right now. And of course Abraham would probably be a little bit sceptical on that one. So it took 25 years for the heir Isaac to finally be born. They even gave up themselves at one point. At the age of 86, Abraham said, I better get on with it. And he had the child Ishmael. But still God said, there's still another son to come. They waited all that time. Yet God delivered on that promise to him. And we see that as well in Luke. Because Jesus promises in Luke something to happen. Because in Luke, it builds upon this idea of Abraham and the fact that whatever Abraham's got, unless God delivers on a promise, Abraham can't pass it on. It's not really worth that much. And it's built upon in Luke because in Luke, Jesus talks about how we can have our possessions, we can have our treasures, but they're not that important. What is more important is a personal relationship with God. And at this point, the disciples, they're still trying to work out what's going on. They often make mistakes. But they've got by now the impression that at some point, Jesus will be leaving them. And so in that context, Jesus prepares them for his return. And I don't know about you, but I looked at that passage this morning, 
And I spotted something I've never, ever spotted before. And I, I must just been skim reading before somehow, because it says that when the master returns, he'll get changed out of his fancy robes, and he'll get changed into the clothes of a servant. And he'll tell his own servants to sit down at the table, to recline, to have a rest, and he'll serve them himself. And I never ever noticed that. I just thought, oh, the master would be very happy to come back. But actually, it says he'll serve them. And that master is God. And we are those servants. And our reward for ongoing service, for what we do in our lives today, how we constantly watch, is that we won't have physical possessions as our, as our reward. Instead, we'll have a rest in God. We'll come to a new reality in which we sit there as honoured guests at the wedding feast and God will be the one who serves us. God will be the one who rewards us for who we are and what we've done for him. At the feast of our Saviour and our King, we will be there as honoured guests. And that is a promise that God makes to us in this passage and in many other passages as well. But unlike Abraham, this promise still has to come to pass. We are to remain watchful and diligent in our service, even today, as we wait for this promise to become reality. And for me, I've, I've recently moved house, and you know what you discover is, you've got the house just how you wanted it, then you move, and you've got to do it all again. You know, you look at a house, you think it's really nice, and then within three months you've changed everything you actually looked at. You've made it something different. And I certainly reminded that this morning that I sat there writing the sermon, looking at my garden, one part's still growing back over here, one part's growing back over there, and you think, there's so much to do with a house. But also we know of a house, if you don't take care of it, it will soon fall into disrepair. And likewise, I think it's the same with church. If we don't take care of our church, it will soon fall into disrepair. When the church turns silent, the flame of faith grows cold, and the voice of truth loses that voice, and it loses followers in our world. But we are commanded to speak out this message of hope to all the corners of the earth, to declare the gospel, to swell the numbers at the feast, and to never give up on our watch for our master's return. You know, even what Anya's done recently, it's been a great reminder to me that actually there are people all the time who want to come out and hear the gospel. It isn't like the New Testament days have ended. They're still carrying on. But we need to keep working through those days just as the disciples did. So we're commanded to do the same today in our own context. And Jesus tells in this passage that if we knew when the time was to come, just as if we knew when a thief was due to come to the house, we'd be prepared. We'd have our protection in place. We'd be there watching. But actually, we don't know that time. It's still a mystery. And I think about this this morning because if we knew the time, it'd be a bit like in Home Alone. Remember when Kevin happened to know it was nine o'clock, the burglars are going to come to the house. 
And so we must be more like Kevin. I mean, we must be prepared for that moment when the master returns. And hopefully, we won't need tar, nails, hot door handles, little cars, Christmas decorations, ice, spiders, fans, paint cans, flame torches, tree houses, or a neighbour with a very heavy spade. Hopefully we won't need all those things. Though the preacher who can turn them into spiritual gifts would be an amazing preacher. But like Kevin, we need to be ready at all times for when the Master returns. And we must be ready in expectation. Because the promise of Abraham took 25 years. But it's also an ongoing promise. It might have took 25 years for Isaac to be born, but even today, Jewish people are born, and even today, people around the world hear the gospel and they come to believe in Jesus. Every day, that number is is increasing. And they say that today, our church is growing faster than it's ever grown before. And the only reason why we sometimes don't believe that is because it's often happening in other nations. But the reality is that promise that God gave to Abraham is growing each and every day faster than it ever has done. It hasn't even finished that promise and it won't finish until the end of time when we go up to heaven and that's it, all the people have been born. It is an ongoing promise. And likewise for Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, that God's people was opened up to beyond the Jews, so obviously all those Christians, that's why I said it's growing faster than ever. So it's open to every one of us to be part of that promise. And likewise, we are still waiting for that return of the Master. It is an ongoing promise, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just a reminder to us to be watchful and to be there to serve our, our, our Lord and Saviour. And we should be encouraged that God does not abandon us. You know, it's not that Jesus has come, he's died on the cross, he's risen again, we've been left alone. Actually, God is here with us in all moments. As as we saw in the stars, the promises, God will be with us in all times. And God certainly does not abandon us. And I think about that with, with Turkey as well, because Anya was so worried about it, but she also said to me, they really felt... They knew people were praying for them at home. I mean, even for us around here, I got these cards out to all seven of the Methodist churches. I got them out to two Anglican churches and to two Baptist churches. That's about 300 people nearly who knew about it and hopefully told other people as well. That was just our one person we were praying for out of 160 teams. So 16 teams, but teams of like 10, 15, 160 odd people went out probably. You know, there was a lot of prayer that went behind that, and actually they had a great success. And likewise, we should have that hope and that success as well at home. We should be sharing with our family and our friends what the hope we have, because that's what the watchfulness is about, about being there to defend our faith in each moment and sharing it. And even for myself, these past two weeks, I've had opportunities to share my faith with people. And it's been nice. It's just been general conversation, but it's enabled me to share my faith. And that's what we should be encouraged to do. 
These promises are not just promises of being abandoned. They're ongoing promises. And we are encouraged to, to share our faith, to pray to our God, to build that relationship that we don't feel alone, that we can feel that promise that he is with us in all moments. And obviously we should support our church. Encourage one another in church. It's great to be back here and see all you and chat to people and be encouraged again, hear how people got on. But church is a wonderful place to encourage and develop one another and so we can share our faith with other people. And all I want to say really with these passages is that God is a God, a promise. God is a God who promises things and he delivers on them. And we've even sung about that this morning with the 10,000 reasons. When it said, and on that day my strength is failing, the end draws near, my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise and ending, 10,000 years and then forevermore. And Matt Redmond might be thinking that 10,000 years is heaven, but it could very well be 10,000 years here. We don't know, but does that make a difference for how we praise our God? Does that make a difference to how we live our lives? Because that promise might be ongoing, but the reality is we've got people born into our world who have whatever time they've got on this earth, just the same as we have. And the command for us is to be watchful at all times, to focus on God and not on our own possessions, and to share that faith. And that's what we should be encouraged to do every day in every generation, no matter how long it may take. Let us always remember to share and encourage one another in the great hope that we have in Jesus.